Hi guys, welcome to In the Limelight. Gwen and I met at um, a GLA fundraiser that I hosted on May 9th. I heard her story and was just so blown away. So Gwen, thank you so much for taking the time to be here and chat today. I know that you were an incredibly busy woman um, and I know that your story will give so many other people hope um, and inspire all of our fellow Lime Warriors out there. So thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's an honor. Thank you. So a little background, um, Gwen is the co-founder and creator of Helen John, a line of swimwear, clothing, and activewear that is nationally renowned. They currently have a partnership with Draper James, which I just find to be like the coolest thing and so insane. It's so cute. I was looking at this morning with my mom. We ordered some stuff. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Gwen is a fellow Lime Warrior mother and advocate um, based in Miami. And Gwen's company, Helen John, recently gave 10% of their online sales to Global Lime Alliance. So I think this is hopefully the beginning of um, our LimeWare relationship. And I'm so excited to drag you into all of our advocacy work. Oh, it's a pleasure. So first of all, I want to dive into your story a little bit. And I will mostly let you speak on the subject because no one knows your story better than you. And I'll just kind of chime in here and there. Um, I know that like many of us, you had several like unexplained health issues for years that doctors couldn't piece together. So I wanted to hear like kind of just your general story and how it all came together for you with Lyme disease. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I knew about Lyme disease. I grew up in Philadelphia, um, but I did not really think much of it because um, I, I left Philly when I was 18 and had been wor- working um, since high school and indoor jobs. So I, I really didn't feel like it was something that I needed to worry about. Um, about eight years ago, I started having hip pain. Um, and I really just thought it was cause I wasn't stretching and I was getting older. And then, um, it, little things started happening. I, my muscles would burn after I worked out, but again, I just kind of thought I just needed to stretch. Um, I started having headaches and the headaches at first were just in the mornings. Um, and again, I thought I just needed to drink more water and hydrate myself. Um, the, the headaches towards the end started to get worse and they would last all day. But even then I thought, um, I was just tired and, um, that I wasn't drinking enough water. Um, what else? I had night sweats in the middle of the night. Like I'd wake up in pools of, of sweat and I thought I was going through menopause. I was in my early 40s and I just thought, okay, early menopause, not a big deal. Um, my knee started bothering me, but I thought, and the knee thing probably happened about three years ago. And I just thought it was, I was overcompensating because of my hip. So I thought that that was, you know, I just needed to stretch. And <laughs> I mean, everything... Yeah. I, I found an excuse for everything. You know, it was either I was tired or I needed to drink more water or I needed to stretch more after I worked out. And I, you know, I went to doctors, I got MRIs of my hip and there was nothing. I even got a cortisone shot in my hip and um, obviously it didn't do anything. Um, My MRI on my knee showed nothing. And I sent it to many doctors and just thinking, God, there's gotta be something wrong with it because it really does hurt. And I probably had four top surgeons look at it and say, no, there's, there's nothing wrong with your knee. Um, and then the, what, 
what was very odd was then I, I had drop foot in that the same leg with the knee, but I had been wearing a knee brace on my knee. So I thought that maybe I kind of created my drop foot that I had pinched a nerve and I saw two neurologists um, and they said the same thing. They did the nerve studies and thought, you know, well, we don't see any nerve blocks. Um, there's no explanation. So it probably was the knee sleeve. And then I went to a guy at the University of Miami who's supposed to be, you know, top guy, top neurologist. And um, he's the one who said to me, you actually have neuropathy all over your body. Um, it's your hands and your feet. It's everywhere. Um, but his, his, sorry about that. His explanation was that my, I probably got a virus that affected my central nervous system. And, and then he said to me, it should get better. If it doesn't get better in three months, um, call me back. So, <laughs> so I didn't have a single doctor suggest Lyme. And I was, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who she had self-diagnosed herself with Lyme, but hers got so bad that there was someone who was going to put a pacemaker in her heart. She was having seizures. And then she finally, you know, figured out that she had Lyme and she looked at me and said, uh, have you been tested for Lyme? And I had been tested for Lyme. So I said, yes, <laughs> but it was negative. And then she said, well, it was probably the wrong test. Um, and she was right because the lab had just, it was just your basic Lyme panel and they did yeah. use a, a special lab. Um, so then that's when I sent my blood to Igenix and it came back positive for, for multiple infections. Wow. Yeah. So it was a long, uh, you know, it was probably eight, nine years of, of symptoms. And, um, you know, you just kind of start thinking like, this is, this is getting older. You know, I just, I just kind of thought, okay, this is, this is my life. And eventually my kids will grow up and I'll be able to sleep more and, and eventually all go away. But, um, it was, it was not that it was Lyme. Yeah. And I, it's funny because I was just laying in bed last night thinking, you know, when, like, when did this really start for me? Cause I, you know, I went two years undiagnosed and I've been treating for two years, but like, when did I really start feeling this way? And it, it's like all of these little things that kind of add up and then become like unbearable eventually. So I understand that thought process of like, oh, it's a knee pain here or, you know, a muscle tingle here, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. And then one day you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I feel horrible. (laughs) Oh yeah. You just feel terrible. And I, I remember sitting in doctor's offices saying, I feel okay, but my knee's bothering me. You know, I just, it's, you just kind of live that way for a, a while. And, um, you know, but eventually I think I would have been diagnosed with something else by some doctor, you know, with, with the neuropathy, cause it was just going to get worse. I just at the time didn't know it. It just, it literally, I have goosebumps from my head to my toes. Cause that, you know, that's a very similar story that everyone has that, you know, doctors just try to kind of fit them in a box with like their symptoms. And, you know, sometimes like, especially with Lyme, you just can't be fit in a box and like diagnosed with one thing. It's like all these little things that add up. Yeah. And that's exactly actually one of my mom's best friends. What happened to her is she had neuropathy and they put her, this specialist in Texas, put her on all these medications and it wound up doing, um, you know, irreversible damage because she was on all these things she wasn't supposed to be on. And then turns out, you know, she has Lyme disease. So just totally unacceptable. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, my one of my the neurologists put me on cortisone on um, on steroids because in ca- just in case there was a pinched nerve and there was swelling, and you know, obviously it made my symptoms worse because it suppressed my immune system. So because they're not aware of it and diagnosing it, they're they're actually you know a lot of people are treating patients with Lyme with something that is actually going to have a negative impact on them. Yeah. Um, and I even called um, the doctors, a lot of the doctors after I found out and just said to them, you know, just know that if you have someone who's in their early forties with neuropathy, Lyme is an issue. And I, I mean, I got a lot of just kind of dead silence on the phones. Like they, they didn't seem to be all that interested, but I, I felt like they should know that, you know, if they see someone my age with neuropathy, that's not normal. <laughs> no, but they they weren't particularly interested. So, you know, I think it's I don't, and that's something I've thought about a lot. Is like, don't doctors want to like figure patients out, and like, shouldn't they feel like moved to do that? And because I have heard you know similar things, or with my own experiences of going back to doctors and saying, hey, it was actually Lyme disease. They're like, oh, are you sure? Were you tested for lupus? Were you tested for, you know, X, Y, Z? And I'm like, yes, it's Lyme. Yeah. And I don't seem to like get it or believe it or I don't know. It's it's frustrating though. I know. No, I, uh, yeah. I had one doctor say, are you sure it's not MS? And I said, yes, look, I can lift my foot now. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, I mean, even when they know that it's Lyme, I think it's it's very hard for doctors to wrap their heads around the fact that Lyme can cause these symptoms that they see in other cases. Yeah. And we have, and now we have so much great research, like especially that GLA is funding to back it up. I mean, I just don't know why they don't get it. Um, Yeah. But I, you know, did, were you ever like, do you have a distinct memory of like being bit by a tick or a rash or not at all? Not at all. Not at all. Nothing. There was nothing, no, no bullseye, no rash, there was no indication whatsoever. There was never a point in my life where all of a sudden I had neck pain and headaches out of nowhere. You know, it just, there is nothing that I can remember. And I'm sure, I mean, those, those rashes are pretty obvious. Um, and I don't have any skin issues. So if I had a rash or if I had a bullseye, um, I absolutely would have noticed it unless it was in my hairline or something like that. But again, um, it's just, I, I'm one of those people, I think, that did not have, my body didn't react to the bite itself. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, there was no, there was, there was nothing to tip me off. And I remember I was in Kansas City when I lived in Kansas City and on a farm and I did have ticks on me. Oh, wow. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Like I hated text because I knew about Lyme. Yeah. And, but everyone said, and this was probably 10, 12 years ago. It was probably about 12 years ago. Um, everyone said there's no Lyme in Kansas. And it was, the, you know, and, and I believed it. Um, and I think a lot of people still believe it. Yeah. But if you talk to any Lyme literate doctor, they know, and I now know it really is everywhere. So um, just because someone has a tick on their body in an area that's not considered Lyme concentrated, that is meaningless in terms of whether or not that particular tick has it. So 
I easily could have gotten it there. That's the only time I remember seeing a tick on my body. But again, I didn't have rashes or a bullseye. So it's impossible to know. Most people don't have any kind of rash. And I think it's so important that you just made that point um, that Lyme is everywhere. And just because you live in a state that quote, like doesn't have it, that's, it's not absolutely not true. And it's when you think about it, birds, animals, they migrate all over. It just makes sense that Lyme disease would be in all states that animals live in. So absolutely. I mean, you know, these, these mice that carry the ticks around on their bodies, I mean, they don't know state borders, so I'm not quite sure why everyone's convinced it's in some areas and not others. Um, but for me, um, and it's funny because I go to, I've been going to Rhode Island in the summers, but just for two summers. And so I'll talk to people and they'll say, oh, so you got it in Rhode Island. And I'll have to say, no, it's much older than Rhode Island. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but my son did get bitten in Rhode Island, which is why I had gotten tested. Um, it was the wrong test, but he did get the rash. And so we knew to treat him, but I also knew to treat him with two months yeah. of doxycycline, not two weeks like most doctors would prescribe. So I, I knew enough from my friend already who had Lyme, even though I didn't know I had it at the time. Um, her whole experience was harrowing to me as I listened to her go through it. So from her, I already knew to put him on, you know, heavy doxy for a long period of time. And but how- he, he got the rash, but, but I did not. Is he doing okay? Yeah, he's, he's, he's actually fine. We've gotten him tested recently. Um, with Igenix, he has Babesia, so he um, he takes something for that because at the time I didn't realize that the ticks could also carry parasites. <laughs> so the doxycycline didn't take care of the parasite. Um, so when I tested his blood recently with Igenix, uh, he does have Babesia, okay. but that's I not so think, not so bad. Um, I and you know I think it's really it's a really special thing that you're, it's your friend that actually like turned you on to Lyme um, or maybe, you know, you never would have found out. And I, I think that's why it's so important to raise awareness and use our voices. Um, exactly. You never know who you're helping. And so your son was bitten. Sorry. I'm like having a Lyme brain moment and just trying to yeah. this all straight in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so your son was bitten prior to you, being properly tested then. Correct. Was that really, sorry, was the only that? experience you had had with Lyme, I guess, prior to yourself being diagnosed? Yeah. I mean, so that was it. Um, you know, my, my friend, she had been going through it for years and I'd been, you know, listening to her and talking with her, not realizing that I had it. And then um, he, my son was bitten, not last summer, but the summer before. And, um, it was funny. My, my husband said to me, you know, Chase has a rash on his back and I think it might be heat stroke and, or from like a heat rash. And I, and I was like, well, but we live in Florida and I've never seen a heat rash on his, on him before. So let me see that rash. And, um, I took a photo of it and sent it to his pediatrician who immediately knew, um, his pediatrician had seen a lot of kids up in the Northeast, even though he was now in Florida, um, and immediately knew that it was a Lyme rash. And then there's a huge bump behind his ear. Um, it was clear that he had gotten bitten by a Lyme tick, but we never found the tick, unfortunately. So, um, And what, what kind of, I guess for our listeners that are also mothers or even for themselves, what kind of preventative measures um, do you take for your son now? Like if he's outside or I don't know if you're somewhere woodsy or where there's a greater risk, um, 
yeah, we we put tick tubes in the yard. We spray the yard for ticks. Um, and then we put tick tubes on the outside of the yard. And we'll go up to Rhode Island again in the summer. And there's a house there that we rent. And I'll treat the yard and then put tick tubes around the um there were per- perimeter and then I use tick spray on them and it is, it does have deep net, unfortunately. Um, but it seems like that is what's needed. Um, so that's what we try to do to prevent it's, you know, once you get Lyme, it's really hard to see greenery and think about anything other than all the ticks that live in it. Yeah. So, you know, so I find that when I see houses and beautiful areas, you know, full of trees I also see ticks and that's, you know, unfortunate, um, but it's real, you know, it's, it's important to be aware of it. And I think, you know, knowing how difficult it is to, to treat it once it's chronic. I mean, I really, I really don't want my kids to get it. My, my 16 year old daughter though does have chronic Lyme. Um, so she is, and again, I think that's probably from Kansas City. But again, it's 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 almost impossible to know. But hers is chronic, and she um, never had a bullseye or a rash that I saw. She did go to overnight camp in North Carolina. So if she had been bitten there, I wouldn't necessarily have seen the rash. Um, you know, it was an overnight camp for two weeks. So again, our she seems the same Lyme litter doctor that I see, and he, you know, obviously can't say exactly where she got it, but does have chronic Lyme and so she's on bicillin shots and orals for that um but she's doing she's doing well the treatment is really working for her so um so that's good good not good if you I you know I've heard good success stories with you know people that catch it when they're younger and I I don't know if their bodies are just like better than ours or (laughs) what the deal is um but I'm glad that she's doing well. And now that I know you're, you're also a patient and a caretaker, like how do you manage that? You know, that is, um, I feel lucky that I feel mostly okay. Um, so in the beginning of treatment, as, as anyone who's been through it knows that the beginning of treatment, when the bacteria is dying off in massive amounts, the toxins are brutal. Um, and the, I, so when I started treatment for the first three weeks, that was very hard. I, I feel fortunate that at the time, my son was with a friend of his. I have four kids. One of my kids was with a friend of his um, for a week. Um, my oldest daughter was on a lacrosse um, bus tour, so she was gone for that first week. Okay. Um, and then my husband and my other son were playing golf in Scotland that week. So it was really just me and my, um, my little one. And I felt really lucky about that because my parents live nearby. Um, so they helped because the beginning of treatment is so hard. I couldn't move. You know, I just, it, you almost feel like you're going to disappear. And that part is hard to explain to people when they haven't been through it, because I would get a lot of, Oh, that's so great. You found out you've got Lyme. Now you know what it is. And I, yes, it, that is good. I mean, it is wonderful to know, and then you can really treat it. But the but the the treatment for it is is really hard. And the beginning part, it, it was hard to be. It, I couldn't drive, you know, so I couldn't drive my kids anywhere. Either my husband would have to drive, and I'd sit as a passenger, or my mom would drive, and I'd sit as a passenger. But um, I just it was I was non functioning for I would say the first three weeks of treatment. 
And that was, that got really depressing. And I remember calling my friend who had been through it, just bawling, just crying and just asking her, like, is it going to get better? And, and then calling my doctor in New York and saying to him, is there some place that will take me and just put me under for four months and kill me? I mean, I was so desperate. I was so desperate because it was so hard. And I just felt so useless. And I had kids to take care of, a company to run, and I couldn't do anything. It was, um, it, it's emotionally hard. It's hard. I mean, you get, I got very, very depressed and there were moments that were just, you know, quite dark and you just think, I don't, I don't want to live like this. And you just hope that it changes. And it does. <laughs> so I don't want <laughs> it does change. And I, I remember talking to someone here who has it also. And I remember saying to her, um, you know, you'll want to live again. I promise you, you'll get, you'll get to where I am, where you, you'll want to live. And, you know, so that's, I think a lot of people who have Lyme have been in that place. Like, do I really want to live like this for a long time? Um, But treatment is, is helpful. And I, I, you know, I don't feel like that anymore, but there are, there's no question. It was, there were many, many times where I would just think, God, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. And thank you for being so open about that and sharing that because I think the emotional mental health piece of this illness is it's just kind of starting to be talked about publicly. Mm -hmm. And um, I have so many people that reach out to me through Instagram that say like, why am I like this? Why am I thinking like this? And I'm like, it's, you know, it's not your fault. It's normal. It's you're going through something horrible and life-changing and you're not alone in that. Um, and it does get better, you know, and your mindset will change once you're over that hump and, um, it's, it's normal. So I think we just have to create in general, more conversation about mental health, but especially related to Lyme disease. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think it's, it, it, my, my particular Lyme literate doctor, and there are many, many good ones, but he actually came to Lyme because he was noticing a lot of his patients who had depression and anxiety and mood swings actually had Lyme disease yeah. um, because it really does affect your brain. So it affects mood. So it's this double whammy of you've got this disease that is affecting your brain and then you also feel horrible. So it's like, you know, it's like this, you've got this physical ailment that's causing depression. And then plus you've got this emotional piece that is also causing depression. And it is a, you know, it's a storm. It's, it's, it's not easy to get through. It's very difficult. The double whammy. It's a double whammy. I mean, it's, but my, my daughter actually was interesting because before we realized that she had Lyme, she was diagnosed with depression. Mm. So, um, that it's, you know, it's real. It's real. It is real. And I wish, I wish more people would recognize that more psychologists, um, think we're getting there, but yep. um, Oh, and I also wanted to chat with you about, I know at the brunch, um, so just to backtrack for a minute for listeners, I know I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, but maybe two weeks ago now, I hosted a fundraiser for Global Lime Alliance in Chicago, and um, Erin Walker spoke with Lourdes Duarte from WGN, and Gwen spoke and shared her story, and this is where I kind of first got connected 
um, with you, but I know in your story and um, maybe it was in your bio, I was sent as well that you have a central line. I have a pick line um, that you feel like kind of IVs are your lifeline. And I feel the same way. And I am like terrified of ever having my pick line taken out or coming off of IV antibiotics. And I know a lot of people out there also feel the same way because you're just so afraid, you know, to sink and feel like crappy again because you just don't know how you're going to feel when you come off of those things. Um, so do you feel like your treatment kind of started to click for you and like for your body when you went on IV antibiotics? Absolutely. I, I noticed improvement on the orals. My, I was able to lift my foot just on the orals. Like, um, so my, my range of motion came back in my leg. Uh, the muscle burning went away on orals. My headaches went away on orals. Wow. But in terms of the real turn where I started to have days where I actually felt okay, you know, like I wasn't exhausted or I wasn't um, feeling really drained. It was probably once I went on IV. Um, I think it has made a huge difference. And I've had the central line in now for nine months. Um, And I, I expect to have it in longer. And like you, I don't ever want to get it out. (laughs) My doctor informed me that I will eventually have to get it out. I don't want it out, but um, I, cause I do feel like it's my lifeline. It's I'm, it it is the kind of thing where it, because I know I'm going to have, you know, Lyme for the rest of my life. And I know that it's going to be constant upkeep, like maintaining my health and strengthening my immune system. There's something really nice about, knowing that I've got something that where I can deliver antibiotics directly into my blood. (laughs) So, you know, I just, at this point, don't really trust my body to fight this infection on its own. Um, Eventually I hope to get there. Um, And I, it gives me hope when I see people who have been off medication for a year or two years or five years and they feel fine. So I do think, you know, one day, but honestly, if 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 it takes an IV to feel okay, it's it's totally worth it for me. I mean, so so I would leave this in, but I know that I'll eventually have to get it out. Thank you so much for tuning into In the Limelight. I think this was a really great episode, and um, I know that everyone has been struggling a lot right now with their health and their mental health. Something cosmically maybe is going on. I'm not sure, but I hope this episode with Gwen inspires you to stay hopeful. Um, in the midst of an insidious illness, as she does. And I hope you enjoyed today. So yeah, I am sending you healing energy, healing vibes, keep fighting, keep going. We are all in this together. As always, feel free to connect with me on Instagram, which I will link below, because I am here for you. And we will get through this. So have a good rest of your week. Bye, guys.